any dancing out of me. Well, how do you follow that? My goodness me. I feel exhausted just looking at it. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, happy Easter, everybody. Hope you're having a lovely time today. Yeah, it's a, isn't it a great celebration? Isn't it wonderful here today just to celebrate with these people being baptized and to, to rejoice together? Well, one of the distinctive characteristics of our species is that we shed tears. Animals don't cry, well, not emotionally anyway. Apparently, dogs whimper a bit, don't they? And you might say, well, what about crocodiles? They cry. Well, crocodiles do cry, but it's just that they water their eyes while they're digesting their victims. It's not actually because they're emotional or sad about it. Weeping because you're emotional or sad is an experience that is unique to our species. We cry because we are human. It's just part of our makeup from the very first hour of being born, and it's a feature of our design. One of the most telling signs that the Son of God, eternally and gloriously divine, became fully human is that Jesus wept. And according to research done by Harvard Medical School in 2020, women cry on average three and a half times a month, while men cry about 1.9 times in the same period. Isn't that interesting? Now, do women cry because they have a harder time than men? Or maybe are they just much better at expressing their emotion in a healthy way? Because weeping is therapeutic. Many of us can attest to feeling a lot better after having had a good cry, yeah? And that's because our tears actually carry stress hormones and other toxins and flush them out of our system. That's why we feel better after a cry. We cry when we suffer pain or trauma or when we feel lonely or when we empathize with somebody else in their sorrow or obviously when we experience grief ourselves. We cry. I've wept many times before and several times since, but I've never cried with the same intensity, with the same anguish, with the same pain as when we lost twins through miscarriage back in the 1990s. And I say all this because this has been a time of many tears here for us at King's over these last maybe year and a half or so. The sadness of serious illness and the sorrow of untimely death touch us all profoundly. And grief can sometimes just feel overwhelming for us. And so many of us can relate to an emotional Mary Magdalene at the cemetery on Easter morning where we find warm tears trickling down her pretty face. And here's what it says in John chapter 20. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white. She wouldn't have known they were angels. They didn't have wings or anything like that or halos. They just looked like very impressive men. 
They were seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me, where have you put him? And I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that, she, that he had said these things to her. So Mary, Mary Magdalene, she's gone at first light to wash Jesus' body, hastily buried the previous Friday, and she's gone to embalm it with spices, as we saw in that little sketch earlier. This will be Mary Magdalene's last act of devotion to give Jesus a decent burial. And when she gets to the tomb, which is a small cave carved, uh, in, hollowed into the rock, with a large circular stone to block the entrance. She finds this stone rolled away, the entrance uh, open, and the burial chamber obviously wide open. And apparently, as far as she can see, some jobs worth who works in the cemetery seems to have disturbed the grave and relocated the body, possibly because the paperwork wasn't quite right. It's somebody else's tomb, and she cannot do what she came to do that morning. And all the emotion of the weekend, which has been welling up in her for, for a few days, just suddenly gets the better of her, and she, she wells up and she starts to sob. She just feels wretched. Her head is spinning with unanswered questions. Who's re relocated the body? Where is it now? Why was it moved? Who can I speak to about this? And she peers into the tomb, and these two figures dressed in white are there. Why are you crying? They ask. It's pretty obvious why she's crying. She's in a cemetery. Why do people cry in a cemetery? She's been sniffling and snobbing for three days now, since the most precious person in her life was unjustly condemned to death and taken away from her. And the utter devastation of losing the closest, most dearest person to her I mean, that doesn't compare with any other human experience, does it? If it's happened to you, the dearest, most precious person in your life, suddenly gone, it's devastating. And if it's happened to you, you know how Mary Magdalene feels on this first Good Friday, Saturday, and Easter Sunday. Her eyes are red and weary from constant crying, and this now is just making it worse. They've taken him away, she says, and I don't know where they have put him. Now, why did Mary Magdalene love Jesus? 
so much. An ancient tradition says that she had been a prostitute before, although the Bible never actually says that. Just a reputation she's got, but she, the Bible never says she was. She's sometimes identified as an unnamed woman who had lived a sinful life in Mark's gospel, who poured perfume on Jesus' feet. But no one can say for sure if that is Mary Magdalene or somebody else. Luke's gospel does tell us, though, that Jesus had cast seven demons from her. I mean, to have one demon in your life must be an absolute living hell. She had seven of them. Seven. Just think of the attrition. Just think of the darkness, the shadows, the heaviness, the constant torment in her life from this, this evil that she lived with. We don't need to let our fertile imaginations run away and run wild about how she came to be so badly possessed. All we need to know is what the Gospels tell us, and it's this, that when she met Jesus, one word of command from his lips and her hell and her affliction were over for good. And she was made new. And she was forgiven everything. And her record was wiped clean. And all that darkness, all those shadows was gone. She was alive again. She knew it. No wonder Mary Magdalene stayed to the very end at the cross while everybody else ran away. And no wonder she was the first one at the tomb. She loved him. She knew she was loved by him. Well, she hears a noise and she turns around and who's standing there but Jesus. But as we've just read, she doesn't recognize him. And of course not. Why would, she, why would she recognize him? The last time she saw him, three days earlier, his head was covered in thorns, with blood running down his face. His body was like butchered meat on the cross, lacerated and bruised, and it was covered with dirt from falling over into the ground as he failed to carry the weight of his cross. It was covered in blood, and she watched his breathing stop the heavy breathing of the pain of almost suffocating. She saw his head drop. She saw how his body hang lifeless, limp on the cross. She was an eyewitness to a Roman soldier pushing a spear up into his side. And she saw that he did not flinch. He was dead. He was absolutely 100% dead. And she looked on as they took his cold, limp body down from the cross. She watched as they placed it in this tomb and hastily covered it with a burial cloth. No wonder she doesn't recognize him. Well, Jesus asks the same question here as the angels had asked beforehand. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And she thinks... It's just some bloke who keeps the cemetery looking nice. That's his job. That's who it is. Maybe he knows. Maybe he can help me. Maybe he can tell me where they put the body. Then I can wash the body. I can anoint it with the spices. Sir, she said, if you've carried him away, tell me, where did you put him? I need to see him. I can't leave him like that. I have to wash the body. I have to clean up all that dried blood corpse needs to be embalmed. 
I need to say goodbye. She needs to have closure from her nightmare. And then with one word, her whole world is unmade and remade in an instant. Mary. Mary. Why are you crying? There are many reasons why you and I might be holding back tears this morning. Are you one of the 66% of men or 93% of women who've cried in the past year? Because life is so hard and so unfair, because everything is just broken, because your future is looking bleak, and you're hanging on by a thread, or because all your hopes and dreams for life seem to be fading. Listen, however bad things might seem to be, the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Changes everything. Jesus is the indestructible conqueror, and he looks at each one of us in this place this morning, individually today, and he speaks our name. He speaks your name. Jesus looks at you, calls you by name, and says, why are you crying? Just like it says in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is a picture of uh, Jesus. The root of David has triumphed. And Jesus' next words to Mary Magdalene in verse 17 are really significant. He He says, don't hold on to me, but go and tell. And so she runs off to tell the men, I've seen the Lord. She's the very first evangelist with good news of the resurrection. Well, we've heard five others this morning who've told their stories, who've met Jesus in a different way to Mary Magdalene did, but they've met him and he's changed their lives as well. This was my life before, they said, and then I met Jesus. And this is my life now. And there's more route to travel. I'm still on a journey, but I'm, I'm not like I was before. Everything has changed. He turned my mourning into dancing. As I close on the last page of the Bible, looking forward to when the Lord returns to judge the living and the dead, it says this, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And it says, there will be no more death in eternity. There'll be no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And if you've never had yet a life-changing encounter with the Lord, like we've heard about this morning, if you've never had that, you're missing out big time. Turn to him in faith today. Make this the day where everything begins to change. Decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, as we just heard in this song. Jesus was the only truly innocent person who ever lived. And when he died, something amazing happened. This is the way the Bible explains it. All our sins, all our failures were transferred onto him. And he took upon himself 
all the judgment we deserve and all the hell that we were headed for. And because of Jesus, we can be totally cleansed of all that we're ashamed about in our lives and receive the gift of eternal life. The Lord is here. Like Mary Magdalene, just turn around and he's there and he speaks your name this morning. And now for you, like for Mary Magdalene, the future can look completely different.